Father God, would you please speak to us now, we pray, through your word. And would you touch and warm our hearts with your love and your joy in us. Amen. Well, I'm looking at um, Luke chapter 15, and um, this is a passage for me. You see, I lose everything. If I could lose my head, I would. You could reword the second of these stories. Not there was a widow who lost a coin and turned the house upside down till she found it, and then there was great rejoicing when she found it. But there was a chaplain who lost his passport (laughs) and turned the house upside down until he found it, and then there was great rejoicing. I think I get it from my mother. She told me that on one occasion, She left me in the pram outside a shop in the village where we lived. She went in to do the shopping, came out of the shop and walked home. It was only when she got home that she realised that something was missing. There is a verse where God asks, can a mother forget her child? To which in my mother's case the answer is definitely yes. But the good news for all of those of us who are forgotten babies is that verse continues, even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. So what does this passage tell us about God? Well, firstly, it tells us that we belong to God and he misses us. We belong to God and he misses us. You know that you belong, someone said, and this is really important, you know that you belong when they miss you if you are not there. You know that you belong when they miss you if you are not there. The sheep belongs to the shepherd and the shepherd notices that he is missing. That is quite something. I mean, to me, sheep look like sheep. There is no difference. But the shepherd knew one was missing, and which one? Maybe he counts, you know, one, two, three, four, five, 96, 97, 98, 99. Oh dear. One, two, three, four, 95, 96, 97, 98, 99. Oh dear. And then he has a look and he says, Ah, it's Cecil. Cecil is missing. And so off he goes to find Cecil. When you go to theological college, uh, to Vicar Factory, you go in as a normal person, you come out with your head turned round and the collar round the wrong way. Um, They teach you how to how that to become a, a vicar, uh, they tell you that a person can usually be a pastor for up to 40 people. They can get to know 40 people, care for 40 people, and they will notice if one of those 40 is missing. 
But when a congregation grows to about 100 or 120, it then becomes very difficult to notice if someone is missing, short of taking out a register and calling people's names. That's one of the reasons why churches tend to grow, as we have, to about 100 or 120, and then stop growing. It is harder to feel that you belong if someone does not miss you. That is why if churches are going to grow beyond that number, they need to have either a second congregation, and actually that seems to be happening now on Wednesday evenings, getting out to about 20 people there or so. It might be something you might consider coming to Wednesdays at seven o'clock. Uh, or, or we have small groups, so that even if the pastor doesn't miss you, there are people, other people, who see that you are not there. The good news is that mothers may forget their babies, pastors will forget their people, but God will not forget you. And he is not limited to 40 people. God is God of the universe, of all creation, of all people who lived then, who live now, and who will live then. And yet he knows you personally. He created each of us to be in communion, to have intimacy with him. And when you are not in communion with him, when you are alienated from him, he misses you. And secondly, it tells us that God searches for us. You see, it's not God who has mislaid us, but we who have wandered away from God. That's clear in the first of the two stories. Here you have the shepherd who is seeking out the sheep. The sheep has wandered off. It's also true of the third story in Luke chapter 15, which we haven't read today. That's about two sons. The first rejects his father and goes to a faraway place. The second stays at home, but at the end of the story refuses to go in to be with his father. We have rejected God and we have walked away from him. We have rejected God and refused to go in to be with him. In other words, God created us to be in a relationship with him. He created us, amazingly, to become like him, like the Son of God in his glory. But we have chosen to walk away from God, to turn our back on God. We chose to live for the visible. St. Augustine, who lived uh, about 1,600 years ago, tells the story of the lover who gives to his beloved a necklace. It is a beautiful necklace. It was made for her. It is exquisite. It's of astonishing value, worth 57 million pounds. By the way, that's not in Augustine's story. That's in my retelling of the story. When she wears the necklace, other people look at her and admire her 
and respect her and she feels so important. And so the beloved falls in love with the necklace and she turns her back on the lover who gave her the necklace. I don't think I really need to explain that parable, but I'm going to. The God who loves us so much has given us this amazing creation. He has given us life and beauty and creativity and truth and each other. He has crafted each one of us, each one of you, so uniquely, so, so with such intimate and such care and concern. You are so precious. But instead of desiring the one who has given us life and beauty and creativity and truth, we have chosen instead to desire what he has given us. We have fallen in love with the gift and we have forgotten the giver. And because we have turned our back on God, we are, whether we think it or not, I say that to most of us men here because we know that we are never ever lost <laughs> whether we think it or not we are lost we are rootless because if you take God out of the picture there can be no ultimate value and no ultimate morality seriously if you remove God if you take God out of the picture then you are of the same value as a mosquito. And the only reason that we think we're better than a mosquito is because we can squash a mosquito and a mosquito cannot squash us. We try to live as little kings and queens, each with our own empire. We play the game of thrones. In the book of Judges, in the Bible, we're told of the early days of Israel when the people of God had first settled in the land. And there is chaos. It ends with mass rape and genocide, with the strongest imposing their will on the weakest. And there is a recurring refrain throughout the book of Judges. In those days there was no king in Israel and each person did what seemed fit. And if we take God out of the picture, then it really is the survival of the fittest. The will to power wins. And if we try to live without God, we lose hope. For if there is no God, then this universe is not creation, but happenation. It was not created, it just happened. There is no reason for anything. Things just are. Things that we call good and things that we call bad just are. And how can we dare to call something good and something bad? We're beyond good and evil if there is no God. And certainly there is no destiny apart from the fate of the universe, which is either to end in a massive explosion, the Big Bang that will end all Big Bangs, or which will end in the deep freeze, the big freeze, everything drifting away from everything else and becoming colder and colder. At the heart of Dante's hell, there is not fire, 
but a frozen wasteland of ice tombs. Whatever without God, the only hope that we have is the hope of death. There may be times when we feel lost and other times when we don't feel lost, but by turning our backs on God, we really are lost. Jesus looked on the crowds coming to him for healing and we're told that he has compassion on them because they are lost and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And so God comes searching for us like the shepherd looking for his sheep, like the woman looking for her coin, like the chaplain looking for his passport, like the lover looking for his beloved. He searches for us. He spoke to us. He gave us his promises and he taught us his ways. He spoke of his love and he called us back to him. And when we rejected his promises, his law and his prophets, God gave us himself. Jesus, the Son of God, was born as a human being. He is the shepherd seeking the sheep. It cost him everything. He emptied himself for us. He is the king who knelt down and washed the feet of his disciples, his subjects. He spoke of God and of the kingdom of God. He called, invited us to come back to God, to live for the kingdom and to receive the power of God into our lives. He calls us to look at the giver and not just at the gift. And this is the shepherd who gave his life for us. And God continues to seek us. Maybe you might hear his voice speaking to you. Alexander Mien tells of a poem by Lermontov called The Angel. It speaks of the soul that's been brought by angels to earth to be born. Remember, this is just a poem talking about a reality and language that, that, is, that is beyond us to understand. But the angel, the soul being brought by angels to earth to be born. And even though we forget our origin, and even though we turn our back on the invisible, yet there remains within us echoes of the singing of the angels. And sometimes, just sometimes, we allow ourselves to hear that voice, the voice of the shepherd calling us. And we're told in the Bible that God has set, the heart in the, set eternity in the hearts of men and women. There are those moments when something breaks in, something bigger than us, something from outside of us. And we're touched by the desire to know the lover who gave us this world and who gave us himself. <coughs> I urge you, if you hear that voice, don't squash it. Listen to him. The shepherd is seeking you to repent. That's what we're called to do. Turn back to him. Allow yourself to be found. And you know, God is the God who misses us. He's the God who seeks us. And God is the God who delights 
when we turn back to him. That's the main reason that Jesus told these stories. The religious leaders were grumbling, muttering, because Jesus was eating with people who were sinners and tax collectors. They say of Jesus, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. And so Jesus tells them of the joy of God when sinners turn back to him in repentance. Verse 7, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And just in case we haven't got the point, verse 10, just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. When a person, when you, stop running and listen to the voice of the shepherd who is calling you, and you know when that's happening, it's when the outer voice from here, from, from, from the Bible, and the inner voice are saying the same thing. And when we turn back to God, there is a party in heaven. Maybe it's the first time that you've repented. You've chosen to come to God to say sorry for your sins, to live for him and for his kingdom and to ask him to come into your life. That is a great thing. It is a momentous event. It is a new birth. Not physically, people speak of being born again, not physically, but spiritually. You have become spiritually alive. Or maybe you are spiritually alive. You have made that decision. But you've been living as someone who is dead. And you hear again the call of God. And you repent. And you turn back to God. This image of the shepherd with the sheep on his shoulders was one of the very first images that the church used, that believers used. Uh, you can find it in the catacombs, but going right back to the third century. The picture of the shepherd with the sheep over his shoulders. I remember somebody saying to me, um, you know, when they put on this scarf, they like to think of this as themselves. They have been wrapped round the shoulders of the chief pastor, the chief shepherd, who delights in you. And when we do that, when we repent, when we turn back to God, there is joy in heaven. I have found my passport. <laughs> I found the lost coin. I found my precious, precious sheep. Oh, Father God, fill us with that joy that you have in each one of us when we turn back to you in repentance. Amen.